Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. sounding music there. How is everybody this evening? Can you hear us? <laughs> uh, the That's a legitimate question, folks. The, <laughs> the microphones are on. The microphones are on. Um, welcome, everybody, to the H2O Podcast. My name is Jason Hunt. I am Timothy Harvey. And we are uh, we are broadcasting live tonight to YouTube and Odyssey as we usually do, and Twitch. Um, I mentioned today on the program I had a conversation with Matt Kadish over on the, at, at the uh, Salty Nerd Podcast, and he uh, pointed me to an article from, I believe, back in December, I'd have to look at it again, Washington Post, apparently Twitch has decided to not enforce the exclusivity, the 24-hour exclusivity anymore, because it's just not practical. And apparently they'd sent out an email to that effect, and I never got it. (laughs) So, I don't know. So we're going to go back to simulcasting, on uh, on YouTube, Facebook, and uh, not YouTube, not Facebook, YouTube, Odyssey, and Twitch. We'll see what happens. So, I don't know. Twitch says we have an excellent connection. Nobody here. Nobody's watching over there. But you know that's okay. We're we're just now getting back. So today's right. today's the first day back. So anyway, Twitch has just not really lived up to its potential for us as a as a video platform because it's just you know one we're not a gaming channel right we're not we're not focused on video games that's been very successful for a lot of people but we don't do yeah. a lot of that and two it's you know it's another it's another channel we, uh, you know it's interesting because I, I was thinking about this the other day because we you know with 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 mastodon and post and 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 all these different ones that are, are, are recent and and have their have their fans and their detractors and everything else and occurred everything going on with twitter and right. and the various social media platforms the the idea that there were and this was you know we've seen it with the with the streaming services right it's it's you have the the big name thing that dominates the entire marketplace for a long time and um in when it came to long before streaming of course we saw it with with network television and then we had cable and sort of then we had but we had the big players in cable like hbo and cinemax and and you know espn and and things like that they were just like the places you went golf channel yeah i mean these are these were legitimate or or the history channel when it was actually yes History, history, um, or arts entertainment back when it was arts entertainment. Um, but then, of course, it all just fractures and it becomes this, this, you know, these niche channels and or or a bunch of channels that are all doing the same thing. And now we've, we're seeing it with social media where it's all, you know, it's it's it, it there, there's so many different options, and that's great on one level because it means that you can have 
you know, something for whatever your tastes are. But we come back to that, um, you know, 40, 40 different types of cereal. It's like you reach, you reach brain lock where you're just like, what am, what, what am I choosing? Yeah. By the way, it is National Cereal Day today. It was completely random. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, I looked at that. Was, uh, that that popped across something. I, I think I got an email about it this this morning. I thought, oh, well, I had the my only, Cocoa Puffs this morning. I'm good. The only reason that cereal popped into my head was because um, some podcast I was listening to in the last week had an ad for their sponsor was a company that that among the among the food offerings they had was apparently a very popular cereal. So well, like, you know, it's hey. it's a good example of of uh, paralysis of choice, though, when mm-hmm. you talk yeah. about all of the different things you have now. Six months from now, when the store shelves are empty, maybe not so much. But you know, you you have you have all of these different choices of cereals or. Uh, uh, fruit, you know, canned fruit, canned vegetables, various different selections, <clears throat> wine and spirits and such. It's hard. It's hard to sit down and just decide on something. And in the in the in the entertainment sphere and in what we do in terms of media and covering uh, various different things, there are a lot of choices out there. You know, in especially in in what's considered the alternative media space which we're in because we're not a we're not a broadcast network we're not a cable network we're not a major corporation media type thing yeah sure. it, it, anywhere on on YouTube Odyssey Rumble Twitch BitChute Vimeo any of those places is an alternate platform and some of that is news and commentary some of its niche stuff like knitting and mm-hmm. homesteading and you know farming and gardening and and recipes. those knitting channels can get <laughs> serious uh yeah they can well i mean and- it's, we, we tend to think of all the like the all the all the fighting that can happen in the genre space but you get into like some of these other it's not just genre folks sometimes oh, it's no. like cancel you know, cancel culture is everywhere Politics is everywhere, and, and it infects everything. Well, people. The, the thing is, is that it's it's people all the way down. Yeah. I mean, we're. Uh, well, have you met people? I have. <laughs> I have. It's one of the reasons why I don't get out much. <laughs> a lot of them are pretty terrible. There's some amazing I, ones out there. I've I've been lucky to to know a lot of amazing people, but have, there's some pretty say, awful ones out there too. All of last week. <sighs> Should I tell this story? All of last week, Mrs. Boss was bugging me because on Friday, I had a birthday. <coughs> I've survived my, my most recent turn around the sun. So on, on, on the, all last week, you need to pick some place to go to dinner because we were going to go to dinner and you know, take her mom and you know just, just a little small, just, just go to sure. dinner. And she's she's just on me all week. Have you decided where you're gonna where you want to go to for dinner? Because it's my birthday. It's like no, you need to decide where to go to dinner. I just and I finally I finally looked at her and said I don't really want to go anywhere. I don't want to do anything. I'm not a big 
make a big deal out of my birthday thing. Uh, I mean, I could embarrass myself and tell a story on myself about sixth grade, what happened, but I'm not gonna. Um, cause it's, that's it's, all, that's all sixth grade stories. It's embarrassing. It really is. Stories. But, um, uh, but I've never been big on my birthday. My, I can't tell this story. I, maybe my 10th birthday. I can't remember. My mother, my mother had to remind me of this. I had one birthday where we had a party at the house mm. and all the kids were outside and I was in my room reading and my mother had to come and get me and put me back out into my own birthday party. I was like, I just, I just want to, I just want to read. I just want to be left alone. So, you know, M- Mindy is, you know, pick a place for dinner. It's like, I just want, I just don't want to do anything. It's just another day. I just, just what? So I finally I, picked a place and we went, but it was, it's just an ordeal just to think about getting, getting around and dealing with people. Yeah, I mean, I, I I like being around other people. Um, one of the reasons that I'm I, I got back on the on the board of the Independent Filmmakers Coalition of Kansas City is so I could make myself go out and be more social. I mean, <coughs> excuse me, I uh, I work from home, which means I am on my own a lot. And then of course we had the pandemic and everything shut down and, and now things are open back up again, but I work from home and it's really easy. And and then you have weeks like this week or, or most of this month actually, where I've got a lot of different editing projects to be working on. So I'm, I'm, I'm here all the time and it's, and I don't mind being alone. I'm, I'm quite content with my own company. Um, and I, after a while, I'll notice that I'm missing other humans. Um, but f- most of the time on my by myself i'm i'm perfectly i'm perfectly content um and and then of course i notice and because i suffer from chronic depression it gets ugly but that's not the point the point is (laughs) (laughs) but but it's really you know inertia right it's really easy to not when once you're in this you know don't go out and don't don't be around other people um it's really easy to be that way And, and and i like the company of, of my friends. I like the company of, you know, uh, people I don't know who could become friends. I like, I, you know, like I said, this, this month is, is really busy for, for editing stuff, but I like being in the studio, you know, because we're, we're there, we can interact in ways that you, as, as, as nice as this can be when you're a long ways from someone, right. Um, you know, that I, I like being in the room with you. So it's, you, you know, should, uh, so you shouldn't say I that. May... You shouldn't say that too loudly around certain people that you associate with. You know. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there's the, the there's people react in the ways they react, and yeah. but it's um okay. So <laughs> interestingly enough, pretty right, dreadful is get... on my list. Yeah. So so oh, I, if you want to dive right in, um. So the show's about stuff that has missed potential. Now, yes. now there's a lot of different ways to look at that. Um, some of it is is they weren't given a chance to reach their potential. And, of course, you have shows like that people would sit there, you know, Firefly or, or uh, you know, um, uh, the, the, the shows that got canceled too early, right? Yeah, Warehouse 13, Eureka. Right. Or, um, uh, alphas shows like that where where you know the feel that it's building and it's suddenly really good you know and even though it wasn't bad to begin with but it's reached this fever pitch and then they don't get renewed that's one yeah. that's one example of, of missing potential right but then there's other shows where the premise is so good or so interesting or so intriguing and they never reach 
where it's going. And I, and as an example of that, um, I think you could use, uh, uh, although it, it, it kind of fits into both those categories, heroes. Yeah. And heroes was, uh, heroes was also, I think a victim of too early because of course the superhero wave is now. Well, um, not, not necessarily a victim of too early, too popular. You had, because the original idea was that Zachary Quinto's character, Skyler, was going to die at the end of the first season. That was the original plan. And he became so popular and so sexy and everybody likes Skyler, so we got to keep him. And that threw off the entire thing. And, and then it became the Skyler, sh- the Skyler villain show. And you had this, this whatever plan that they had completely went sideways after that point. And, well, then you had you the know, writer's strike, which threw everything off. That, and just, I mean, that, that show was just plagued with, with, you know, and, all the things that could go. But what's also interesting is that of course, the different ways that we, we used to tell stories in television yeah. because even though when you're Babylon five really was like the, the sh- one of the major shifting points for this um, because previously with episodic television, um, even stuff that was linked, um, you would only be planning out like an episode, a few you know weeks, right. months ahead of time. And, and so you would basically be able to react to your audience's reactions. And sometimes that was good. And sometimes that was really bad yeah. because audiences would have this reaction. And a month later, they'd boomerang back to the first, the, what you thought they were going to think. And it's like, it could really, it, and so you would have these inconsistencies. And when you were doing the shows that were like basically self-contained, you know, where every episode had a reset. Um, that doesn't really hurt you too much. That the you know people not liking an episode of the A Team are still going to tune in for next week's episode of the A Team. Yeah, you know there it's the the A Team has a formula, right? But but if you're looking at something like like you know um, Babylon Five or or Farscape or some of these shows that really leaned into serial storytelling at a time when it wasn't as common, um, then it could really be you know very could be really traumatic for the folks running the show. It's like, they liked us a week ago. Why do they all hate us now? <laughs> right. And you would see that. Can, um, and can it, you imagine, though, the, the the amount of social media vitriol that would have spewed in in the in the mid to, mid to late 80s? Uh, late, mid to late 80s and all through or, the 90s. All through the, it 90s, would have been, the 90s would have been uh, a bloodbath. And the thing is, is that it's, it's, it, again, we come back to the, it's so cool that we can talk to each other instantly. Yeah. However. Have you met people? <laughs> yeah. Have you met people? And, and, and like I said, there's, there's again, pros and cons to this. Okay. So Penny Dreadful, the first three seasons of Penny Dreadful are a masterclass in how to take the same idea of Alan Moore's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen comic and not butcher it like the movie did. <laughs> <clears throat> which I suppose is also an example of wasted potential, but that entire thing was cursed from go and they fail to understand that that's an example of maybe there's another show for us films or TV shows that c- completely misunderstand the source material. They, I mean, they, Isn't they, that they like have all of them now. Well, no, 
I mean, there's, I think there's some interesting stuff that you can do with different interpretations of things. And I'm fine with looking at things and looking through a different lens sometimes. Sometimes that, that doesn't work at all, but sometimes it does. And, but I mean, you look at something like, okay, say V for Vendetta. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie is a lot of fun. It's very entertaining. It's a crappy adaptation of the source material. It completely misses what Alan Moore it's not to turn into the Alan Moore show. To what, what Alan Moore was the story he was telling. Right. He turned it into an action movie. And the comic has a lot of action, but it's 12 issues. And it tells a big, a much bigger story. And of course, you have the adaptation thing, right? That's just what happens. Yeah. But because you've only it, got less than two hours. Right. And and V for Vendetta should be a prestige level series. It should be 10 episodes, because there's there's some fat in the comic 10 episodes powerful storytelling about a lot of different subjects and you have to when when you're adapting a a novel or a comic series into an hour and a half two hour movie we see this all the time and there's a there's grace and and skill and when when you get those really great adaptations but anyway so penny dreadful fantastic horror show um really well crafted amazing cast uh, the first time I really thought of Josh Harnett as like a serious actor, right? And that's and that's not bashing him; that's bashing my impression of him, right? Sure. Um, and and he's shown it before. It just wasn't. It never registered. But here it really did. And you got Timothy Dalton and Eva Green, and it's just so well crafted and such an interesting idea. Three seasons. A fourth season was planned. And then the show got canceled. Yeah. The guy behind it was like, you know what? We actually told our story in three seasons. So, okay. And, we're, and the fans were like, yeah, but, but did you see the ending of season three? You broke our <laughs> hearts, man. And, and it's conscious storytelling and fine. Okay, great. We get a sequel. We get a sequel set in the time period that I'm a huge fan of. It's you know this is this is a period piece. It's the nineteen what nineteen thirties, something like um, that. Yeah. And and you've got all these rich, cool pl- things you can be doing. It's set in Los Angeles, so you've got you can pull from from uh, you know uh, myths and legends from from Hispanic culture. You've got the melting pot of L.A. at that time. You've got a lot of different cultures crashing together. So many cool things could have been happening here. And it just really didn't feel like they had a really solid idea of what they were trying to do with this story. And it's one thing, if you're not familiar with Penny Dreadful, it basically has, what happens if you take all the monsters from the 1800s, you know, your Draculas, your Frankensteins, your Frankenstein's monsters, your werewolves, your, you know, um, you know, pop pop culture monsters and throw them into the same like two mile space in, in, in London and shake them really hard. So they bounce off each other. Uh-huh. Um, and Eva green is your main character. And it's like, all right, I'm on board. Um, and there's just, I mean, the cast for Penny dreadful, um, Los Angeles was really good. I mean, there's a lot of talent in that cast. But it just never felt like they had the the grounding in, and and maybe it just came down to the 
we're all familiar with Dracula. We all know, what, even if you've never read Frankenstein or seen the original, you know, the the, the classic, you know, Universal picture, you're familiar with the concept. It's right. built in. It, it's culturally. It's and I think that's that's one of the one of the reasons that Alan Moore even did League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is that the, his target audience, which wasn't Americans, um, it was the British the British public, because it's it's so clearly written for people who understand. You know, this is. You know, so much of this stuff is stuff their parents would have been reading when their parents were kids. So there's like a lot of it, a lot of it for stuff like that. When you're looking at something like Penny Drupal or League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, you're looking at the zeitgeist. You're looking at the cultural zeitgeist of everything that's out there. And, you know, these these certain things that transcend a genre or mm-hmm. a a type of story or a theme, Star Wars, for example, it's space fantasy, but it's Star Wars. It, it's it's its own thing at this point when it first came out. So, and, and and when you have those kinds of things, then it's kind of hard to quantify. Just okay, well, what makes this work? What makes this doesn't work? And you have a hit and miss in the sequels. Mm-hmm. And prequels and and the TV shows and the whatnot and you know Star Trek the same way and Doctor Who all these different things, but you're right. There's there's a there's a shorthand there, where people know Frankenstein's monster. They know the mummy. They know they know Dracula. They know um, they know Doc Brown. They know Bugs Bunny. And mm-hmm. and you know you could have. You could have Bugs Bunny show up in a noir mystery not uh, mystery series, and people are right on board with that because they know who Bugs Bunny is. Right, right. Which is how something like Who Framed Roger Rabbit works yeah. so well is because it's you're you're embedding these new characters in this existing world, and but with something like Penny Dreadful, you know, you've got the idea of these characters. So when Rory Kinnear shows up as as the monster, um. And they actually play with the idea of what it would be, and give and give time because, of course, it's a TV series. You've got right. the you've got the number episodes you can play in, where what it would be like to be the guy who is a bunch of body parts brought back to life. What does that do to you? <laughs> What's well, your general? I mean, so you got you got these deep storytelling things, and maybe maybe the sequel to Penny Dreadful could have done that if it had had more time. Right. But I think it runs to like so many of these things with sequels, with sequels and spinoffs and things like that. You go in, you have such expectations where if you were a huge fan of Penny Dreadful, would any version of the show satisfied you because none of that cast was back? You know, it's like, if you're and we saw we saw this with when Next Generation was the first season of Next Generation is well, this isn't Star Trek, right? What's what's going on here, right? And 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 that's a Star Trek. That's a that's an ongoing Star Trek problem. Star Trek, the TV show, after the original series, which had a third season problem. Yeah. Every every sequel has had a first season problem. I, I it doesn't I know what out, it is that first season. Yeah, I called out Paramount Plus today because they did. They've got this this banner ad somewhere, and I don't know where it is. If it's an online ad or something, where they have this spread of characters mm. prom- promoting Star Trek on Paramount Plus, mm. and 
all the captains are there except Jim Kirk. I was like, how do you how do you promote Star Trek and leave Jim Kirk off the off, off the off the art? I mean, right, I know I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna why. Ask, I'm going to ask but, a dumb question because I don't know the answer, and this could be a really dumb question. Does Paramount Plus currently have the rights to show the original series? Yeah, because Spock and Uhura were there, but Whoa. not Jim Kirk. You had, you had, no, I mean, it was original series, Spock and Uhura in their universe. Oh, okay. Well, that's so interesting. You, okay. You had, you had Archer, you yeah. had Spock, Uhura, you had the, the, the current crop of shows. You had Dell from Prodigy, the animated show. You've got uh, you've got huh. Tawny Newsom's character from from Lower Decks. You've got Anson Mounts Pike. You got Sadiqa Martin Green right there front and center because she's the most important one. You got Picard. You got Janeway. You got Cisco. You got Seven of Nine because of course she's important too. But no what? Jim Kirk. That's curious. I'm, I mean, I think that I. Oh, I have, I have my, I have my theories, but that would be a whole nother show, and we'd get agitated with each other about it. Well, maybe, but I, yeah, it just, I, it seems like a curious choice to make. But anyway, uh, could they have tried tw- early twentieth century pulp characters like Tarzan and the Mask? So I think that could have been fun. Well, I, I, now they did it in the comics. What, what was was it? Image who did who did the title Masks Dynamite. Dynamite did a series called Masks, and they had Zorro, uh, Zorro, uh, 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 Shadow, Phantom Stranger, not Phantom Stranger, the Phantom. Right. <laughs> Those are completely different characters. Yeah, uh, that would be. And two others, and I can't remember who it was. Black, uh, Green Hornet, and I think there was a female character. Maybe the original Black Cat. I I, I can't remember. I vaguely know the series. I haven't. I haven't, I haven't yeah, actually read it. Yeah, it was a special it. miniseries. I can't remember who wrote mm-hmm. it. It's been a while since that came out, but they did it in the comic books. So I think that, that some of the answer is we could you could probably do something very very similar. I think some of that stuff you're still running into licensing issues. Yeah. Um, that said, um, was it Warren Ellis's Planetary series? Where they had an entire, a good chunk of the secondary cast. The whole premise of that was uh, 20th century pop culture with the serial numbers filed off. Mm. And uh, so you could have a character named Doc Brass. Well, he's Doc Savage. Sure. But he's just called Doc Brass. Or the, um, you know, the millionaire. Okay. Well, you could, there were a number of different pop culture figures you could slot into that. Or, you know, the adventurer or the pilot, mm-hmm. you know, and they had names, but, and, and they were, but the, what the, the shadow analog was a mixing of the shadow and the spider, ah, okay. um, yeah. which is a bit of a deeper cut um, and, and Batman and, and, you know, you, so you could, and then there was a, a there was a, a Lord uh, Blackstone, I think Blackstone, who of course was Lord Greystone, right. uh, who was Tarzan. Um and so you had these, there's, there was even an analog uh, set in the same, in the early 20th century of Wakanda. Um, it was the super science, you know, African city that was hidden from the world of man. Um, and then, which then turned into an analog for, um, a little bit of an analog for Superman. Because the last child uh, born in that city um was 
rescued uh-huh. uh, by our main character who ended up raising her much like he, you know, so, and then she's su- super strong and super fast and she's not, she's not Superman power, but she has her, you know, so there's, sure. they, they, he was, there's a lot of mixing and matching and that could be something that they could have done. And that would have been very, very interesting because for old, for fans like me who really love some of that older fiction even though you can argue, you know, there's all there's all you know the arguments to be made for culture and and language and all that stuff that I I know is a, it's a it's a topic right now too, um, but that some of that stuff is really rich in terms of storytelling and some of it is cheesy at, beyond belief, but it's foundational for a lot of the stuff that we like today. And I'm I'm a fan of foundational works. It turns out. You know, I mean, I give me, give me, you know, your Sherlock Holmes and, and your Batman, your, your shadow so that I appreciate Batman more because it's so, Batman is Sherlock Holmes in the shadow. That's, how, that's legitimately where he came from. How, how exactly did <coughs> Penny Dreadful Los Angeles miss the mark? Because there's all the potential there. There's all of these elements. There's all these things that it could it, have been. It it didn't dive in. I I I think and and other people can. I mean, I'm sure other people have different ways of looking at it. But I kind of feel like they didn't dive enough into the cultures in L.A. and pull those myths out, yeah. and then give us those myths in sharp. Because you're playing you're playing in places where you you know you may not know what you know the 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 folks coming up from Mexico have in their cultural repertoire of of myths and monsters right yeah. and it's a you know just like we when leslie and i talk on foreign bodies we love getting this this stuff coming in from other cultures where you get to learn something about what scares folks there this was a rich opportunity for them to sit there and go you know how many different cultures were crashing into each other in in la in in the 1920s and 30s lots oh, of them you yeah. could have had a field day with bringing in you know monsters from you know uh, asian vampires the chupacabra and that's just a, that's just a or, or um uh there's oh you could have done so many cool things with it and mate and again who knows where they would have gone with with more time but i think especially when you're coming up as a sequel to us to something that has and we see this all the time. You have a sequel coming up to a, a something that has a solid fan base. It's I completely understand wanting to tell a brand new story and do something completely new and chart new ground. But if you're going to do that, don't be surprised. We hmm, viewers like more of the same, please. Until until they want, they're like, this is exactly the same. So how do you explain the success of American Horror Story then? Because the second season, the third season, I mean, you've got maybe some of the, American some, Horror most Story of the same is, actors, is, but you don't have the same, the same characters, the same stories every season. It's completely well, see, it's, different. It From go, they warn you. This is going to be an anthology show. Each season's going to be different. This is if if you're if you're if you prime your audience with what you're going to get, yeah. And and uh, American Horror Story has been wildly <laughs> inconsistent. 
in quality. And the the cast is fantastic, but it also has a it has a resolving its stories problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the, the endings have let people down. But the thing is, is that part of, I think part of why people even watch American Horror Story is because they're willing to take storytelling chances. And because it's, uh, yes, American Horror Story has also reconnected some of this stuff in ways that, that people were not expecting because it's supposed yeah. to be this anthology show. Um, but it's, it's, it's a story, it's a show that's willing to take chances. And that's part of the reason I think the audience likes it. Yeah. Is because they're not, they're you know, they can get their comfort food show, which is the same, no, every season. I think um, I, I think Jr's on your on your page there when he's talking about the the fact that uh, Penny Dreadful went with Nazis and that's no new ground. But you've got the what evil Chinese Maoists. But yeah, I mean, even even if you take the supernatural elements out, you know, monster stuff, no. they're still. All of that cultural mix right there in the middle. I mean, right. ha- have you met people? Some people are monsters. I mean, you could do you could just do a straight up horror type of well, thing uh, without yeah, and, even and, any, anything like and that. And they they even start to set it up. Oh, Confucius ghosts. That's interesting. They they even start to set it up with with some of the 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 ethnic you know uh, clashes between culture. Just yeah. just on on the normal level, even without the supernatural, there's so many cool things you could have done here. And it just feels like they they didn't have, and again, they they had the luck of having these shorthand characters yeah. in in the original series. And Eva Green was like the essential. She wasn't the only, but she was the most, you know, original character in the show. That you know, she got she got to bounce off of Dracula and the Wolfman. Sure. And, Frankenstein, sort of um, the audience proxy in a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. So it's there's a there's a lot um, that could have been more there, and it's a shame because the it looked great. Yeah. This, I mean, because they did the period. I think they did really good with the period work in, in terms of in terms of costuming and sets and 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 design. And I wanted to like it. I really did. Yeah. I wanted to like it. A lot. Another another period piece. It's mentioned in the chat. I think Mazers mentions it, or, or no, J, uh, Jr. Uh, John Carter of Mars, because <laughs> that movie actually works works really well. And you talk about untapped potential there, uh, especially given the fact that it was marketed so badly. And folks, for your and... bingo cards at home. <laughs> We haven't. We have not brought this stuff up in a lot uh, in, yeah. in, a, in a while, but it's true. Yeah, it, but I, yeah, it's an example of something that that could have been, but wasn't. Oh, yeah. speaking of which, that was marketing. That's oh, that I mean, okay, that's I can't blame everything on marketing. Audiences watch what they watch, whether you whether you think they should or not. The Transformers, the Transformers movies <laughs> made a lot of money. Okay, so um, so I've told the story. Of how somehow I ended up with two different accounts on my Kindle, right? Mm-hmm. And my my downloads on one disappeared when I logged into the other one, and I could never get them back. And one of those was John Carter and the Gods of Hollywood. I finally mm-hmm. bought an actual physical copy 
This is not going to disappear because some stupid machine does something. I highly recommend this book, folks. John Carter and the Gods of Hollywood by Michael Sellers. This is a a comprehensive history of all of the different attempts so far to make John Carter, uh, you know, uh, the Barsoom novels as, as movies. And it doesn't, it's not just Andrew Stanton's right. movie that, that Dizzy made. This thing has been in its various different studios' hands for decades. And nobody has ever cracked it until Stanton did it. And by the time Stanton got to it, the studios didn't care because right. they just bought Marvel and they just bought Star Wars. And we don't need this anymore. And it's a shame, too, because you talk about potential, wasted potential. I mean, that's before there was Star Wars, before there was Buck Rogers, before there was Flash Gordon, before there was Superman, before there was everything, right. there was John Carter. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that, that that's another example of, of something where, again, we come back to, to my fondness for foundational things. You know, what is, where did... Where did, if, uh, if you've, uh, um, you know, go back and look at the stuff that, that inspired Superman. Go yeah. back and look at the, um, you know, gla- the novel Gladiator. It's problematic, but it's interesting <coughs> because you yeah. can see where, where some of this stuff came from. And you look at something like John Carter, which was foundational. It inspired yeah, so much things. By the time it get by the time... People are, are trying to do serious adaptations of it that that get off the ground, yeah. and you have this feature film which was very well made, and I think a a, a, a really really impressive you know attempt to bring everything to life in a way that works. Right. It we and we've mentioned this before. They completely failed in the marketing campaign to say. Without this, you would not have. There was a fan. There was somebody. There was a fan-made trailer that did so much more to put that in perspective. And and yes, Dave, I do believe that Disney killed John Carter in favor of Star Wars. And not necessarily they killed it. They neglected it. They abandoned it. And what happened was, if you go back and read the story, the executives went in charge at the Disney company that greenlit John Carter all had been fired or moved or were in other places by the time this thing got into production. And when John Carter was in front of cameras and they were rolling, there was nobody at the studio that had the production had had Stanton's back because they were all new and none of them cared because this is not my project this is not my baby and I don't want anybody else to get credit plus the fact you had the added complication that Bob Iger had bought Marvel had bought Star Wars and the irony is that Star Wars wouldn't be anywhere there would not be a Star Wars without John Carter there wouldn't have been Marvel without John Carter. Right. There wouldn't have been DC with. Well, okay, maybe we'd have had had something else come along, but it wouldn't be the same because, yeah. look, John Carter was the original. John Carter, um, you know, and then you get into Flash Gordon, and then you get into you know Buck Rogers and things like that. But yeah, it's 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 a terrible shame, and 
it, it's really um I, I i am moderately hopeful that before i die someone will give me a properly marketed and budgeted uh, john carter adaptation um because right now i mean oddly enough this is a fantastic time to do that yeah because you've you've got you've got big you know whether whether you enjoy the shows or not or whether they're any good or not whether you're a fan of them or not these you know your netflixes well not netflix so much um but amazon and apple are dumping money into genre projects and fantasy fantasy's a, a bit of a big deal um you may have heard of this little show called i don't know game of something or other yeah um and you know john carter is both science fiction and fantasy it's swashling sword but sword fighting science fiction so the 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 fan trailer is called heritage and it is uh it is a brilliant uh very well executed trailer of just how much influence this story had on everybody not just you know george but i mean all of this stuff you know flash when we mentioned flash gordon buck rogers other what other unrealized potential those two projects i mean the flash gordon of the 80s was kind of a one-off but they set up a sequel but it was kind of one-off but buck rogers in the 25th century i mean we have our title sequence based on that right now mm -hmm. you know 1979 1978 you know 79 80 a lot of potential there and then they went to season two and the thing is is that season two season two actually had a lot of interesting potential there were things i liked about season two but what's interesting that this this is also an example of audiences want more of the same until they don't yeah and the when the writers and the production crew decide they want to you know make a change or the executives i can't remember what the decision why that decision was made i they, remember reading of I, I used to know this it why was, they chose to go into space i well when i interviewed gil gerard about it i think he said it was it's in one of the it's in one of the two times we've got it here on the on the channel um i want to say that they did it because of because of Star Trek the motion picture. It could be, yeah. Cause Star, that, that maybe, Star yeah, Trek, because uh, Buck Rogers was out in 79. Star Trek the motion picture came out in December of 79. So now we're going into season two. We need Star Trek. Put them on a spaceship. Yeah, I, there, so there we again, that's another one with mixed with with lost potential because you taking Buck Rogers into space, great. That's but he, he kind of belongs there too. I mean, you can <laughs> yeah. you you can, you can have Earthbound stories with Buck Rogers and spacebound stories. It's allowed. Yeah, same thing with Flash Gordon. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it. It feels like, but again, I think some of that comes into you're looking at episodic TV, when that show was on the air, budget limitations, what science fiction, what what the what money they were willing to throw at, at um, science fiction, yeah. and 
the advantage of an earthbound show and this is this this factored into the equation for uh deep space nine and babylon five is standing reusable sets yes because they don't um, cost a lot well that even figures into season three of picard we're right. we're yeah. on we're on the starship titan and we've been Standing yeah we, we've spent most of that time on yeah. or or on the existing ship set um uh Less, can't remember the name yeah so yeah. i mean so yeah a lot of that has taken place there and and that's that's just good budgeting because folks these are not cheap shows to make no. and they weren't cheap shows to make in the 80s when your science fiction has always had a price or, tag or in the 60s I mean, the start true. the original Star Trek was an expensive show too, right? For its time and for yeah, because it's it's your and it you know you've got the standing Enterprise set. They went to most most episodes they were on an, an alien planet. <laughs> now, admittedly, it was the same quarry, there, but that's not the point. There is, uh, and I can't remember where I saw this, but somebody had noted that if if you go in and look at the original series of Star Trek. You can generally tell when they were getting close to thin budgets because that's when you start seeing the bottle shows. You saw that with a lot of series back in the eighties. Yeah. You could, you know, you can tell when, or when they would budget something so that you wanted to have your last couple of episodes have the money. Yeah, Next Generation did that a lot. A lot, yeah. yeah. And I think that that's that's something that. Um, you still see, but less so. Um, we've talked a lot about a, a, we we we. I haven't even really scratched the surface of our subject, but I was just using um, one of the one because there's a whole lot of other stuff. <laughs> um, I was just well, I was just thinking of like Fear the Walking Dead. However, you feel about the Walking Dead, it's been a success. Yeah, it's run for eleven years. Um, not and and not Fear the Walking Dead. No, 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 no. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. The, the Walking Dead. It's got all these spinoffs now, right. right? It's got Fear of the Walking Dead. It's got you know new shows on the way. Fear of the Walking Dead is coming to an end. And part of me says, "Thank God," <laughs> right? Um, because because here's a show that the potential of this show. Okay, brand new characters. Not it's only it's set in the same world, but it's not based on the comic. Mm -hmm. You don't have to follow the comic continuity. You're not bound by even the the boundaries of the comic continuity because of course the 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 Walking Dead TV show departs from the comic all the time. But it's also moving its way towards essentially the same ending, right? Yeah. And that's what we got with the show. Fear of the Walking Dead is like, okay, you're in this world, go play. And what they give us in the first season is our main character is a mom who just wants to save her family. But better than that, she's a sociopath. And she's it's very clear to the audience from the moment, you know, very early in the episode, that this woman will do anything to save her family which makes her both fascinating and deeply disturbing to watch. Right. Because she is not a hero. She's not noble. She's just... She's the protagonist. Right. And that's it. And it made her a very interesting character because 
you know, it's like, oh God, Madison's got a hammer. Somebody's gonna die. And <laughs> and it made it made an interesting and the first few seasons had their had their flaws. Yeah. But basically once she left the show, it just it's like the writers sat there and went, We don't care anymore. And I mean, this last season. Okay, if you're going to make nuclear zombies, if you're going to explode <laughs> nuclear weapons and turn Texas into a radiated wasteland, do not spend the rest of the season everybody hanging around. So the thing is, when the nuclear bombs go off, right. you go the other way. Yeah, far you away. You go away from the but nuclear fallout. Can't you, can't you just jump in a refrigerator? And, and I mean, it, it basically turned into the writers going, uh, "I'm under contract, and and I I want to write a good scene yeah. for for this actor over here." And so, you know, once every couple of episodes, you'd have like a really good scene for an actor and an entire story of like, "We don't care. Then none of this makes sense anymore. Nobody human is going to behave in this manner." But you get Coleman Domingo chewing the scenery and clearly having fun. Uh -huh. He is just like, I don't care. I have an amazing voice, an incredible stage presence. I'm just <laughs> going to sit here and go, I'm the villain. <laughs> yeah. And it's like the only like the only reason to watch Fear the Walking Dead for the last season was to watch Coleman Domingo just go let's just have a good time <laughs> that's it that's the entire reason to watch the show and folks coleman domingo is an amazing actor but that's not enough <laughs> i'm i'm glad but uh, now uh, we're bringing back madison which and then they canceled the show so bring back the reason the show was a success and then cancel the show so i don't know so um at some point I think maybe we should discuss the melodramatic villain. Oh, um, sure. The mustache twisting, wahaha, over the top, because we don't get enough of those anymore. Well, and the thing is, so here's here's the funny thing. Um, the mustache twirling version of of the character of Strand that that Coleman Domingo has been playing for the last season. Mm -hmm is an utter butchery of the cool parts of the character. <laughs> They've made him so two-dimensional. And it's such it, he's from the beginning of the series, Strand was one of the most interesting characters because he was very three-dimensional. Yeah. Um so they've completely and and clearly Coleman Domingo's having a good time. So let him let him run with his 2D mon 2D monster. But yeah, I mean you go back to that go back to Flash Gordon and Ming the Merciless. Yeah. Who's on? Who's on stage chewing all the scenery and having just a blast? <laughs> Max von Sydow. That's right. And, and the thing is, is that he's. You get these. You get these actors who are really, really powerful performers, and then sometimes you just give them a chance to be the bad guy mm -hmm. and just revel in being the bad guy. Anthony Hopkins can do that too. Yeah, where he's just you know. Um, uh, even even aside from Hannibal Lecter, you look at you look at the performance he's giving in the in the Thor movies, and you can tell he's just showing up and going, "I get to play a comic book character." <laughs> <laughs> and that's what he's doing, yeah. and and that's great. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, we should. Yeah, we, we need should, to do uh, that. So you Scorpius know, from Farscape, it, uh, 
He can he can be. He can be. And he's fun when he when he does that. But Wayne Pygram um brought so much more to that character. Not to mention the fact that Wayne Pygram is really funny. And he brought those that that hum that weird humor to Scorpius that really worked. Which Scorpius? Well, no. yes, but yes. especially the especially uh, the the one that's you know hanging around up here. But 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 um, but, but but spoilers. Well, that's not our topic for tonight. We're, we're right, right. Now here's what I propose. Yes, because we've gone we've got our we've got our hour and we've just barely scratched the surface. I yeah, yeah. I think at, at 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 times on occasion we probably could get away with doing a series. On a topic, true. So true. if if tonight maybe part one, and then next week we do part two and possibly a sure. part three, we can we can maybe maybe cover all of the stuff because I want to talk about crawl. I want to talk about. I mean, you mentioned Firefly having the season, Firefly, uh, but also the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Sarah, yeah. No, no you know, question. I mean, there's I, so much well, else still that that we haven't uh, we haven't touched well, yet. And then, and then it takes you into films like the Terminator series because, you know, <laughs> there was they, there was only two. Every one, every one of those sequels, they were legit. You know, we we know how hard it is to make a film. These people didn't set out to make films that that didn't connect with the audience. Yeah, they set out to make films that did, and and the it's it's a fascinating example of a series where mm-hmm. almost everything they tried. Aside from a television spinoff, yeah, just didn't connect. So yeah, I mean, there's there's no, there's all kinds of stuff. I got. Do you I, think? Do you think that the Hellboy movie, the original, the uh, Del Toro's Hellboy movies, met their potential, or was there was there something left that didn't quite didn't quite cross the finish line, and we didn't so, get the third movie? Uh, I would have. Uh, they 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 were, they were pretty good budgets for those films. But I don't think I think Del Toro is one of those filmmakers where it does not hurt to throw more money at him. Yeah, because he will make it bigger. Do you think um, Army of Darkness didn't live up to the potential of the first one? Because um, you could do that too. You could do sequels that didn't live up to the potential sure. of the setup well, in the first. So first I think film. that I think that you get into the you, when you get into the second Hellboy film. You get into again places where the you have to explain more things to the audience. Sure, there's less shorthand. Yeah, um, and and I think the biggest the biggest um, fit, you know not living up to the potential was not getting the third film because I think I think that would have been you know you would have had a trilogy and it would have a beginning a middle and an end and that was always that was their plan. Um, I'm just. I'm really fascinated to see the yeah, Golden Army. Yeah, Army of Darkness is a completely different, different thing. Different thing. Although that um, would but, be an interesting crossover, wouldn't it? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, and I'm and I'm so fascinated by the idea of Mike Mignola doing, you know, being the writer on this new Hellboy, and and that's great and that's fantastic, but we've already had again a attempted reboot. Yeah. That just. You know, didn't didn't set did not satisfy anyone. Yeah. No, nobody seems. I mean, you know, you get to, you get to see David Harbor as as Hellboy. That's kind of cool, but 
that's about it. Yeah. All right. So, so let's let's plan for a part two next week. And we can make our list and expand on our list because I've got a few still that I haven't that that I've that I've thought of as we go through all of this tonight. And uh, we can we can circle back to this. And that gives everybody out there, all of you people out there, all of you a chance to uh, send us your suggestions and your comments and let us know what you think. TV shows, movies. Even books or comic books, I think you could probably do, or video games, that you have the potential is there, but for whatever reason, something doesn't quite work. It doesn't it doesn't live up to the hype. It doesn't live up to the promise. There's let's, something Let's hold there. off on comics because pretty much from about 1990 on, <laughs> every major, every major big comic book event. Yeah. All so look, some of them were incredibly successful, and some of them I absolutely love. It doesn't make them good, but you can throw a rock and and don't throw rocks, but you can throw a rock and hit another comic book fan who's going to look at me and go, Why did you like Secret Wars? Yeah, and I'm going to be like, Because it was great, and they're like, No, it wasn't. Yeah, I'm going to be like, Ah, you know, and so (laughs) you know, let's let's push comics off a little bit before we come back. Okay, all right, now I do have I do have one question (laughs) Do I look purple to you? You have a little bit of a purplish cast. Okay. Yes. All right. Now I've been digitizing a lot, which is ticking me off because you know, I'm 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 paying for better quality internet over here, guys. So yeah. I mean there's I don't know what it I don't know why this does yeah. this. See, and I I don't have I don't have good color temperature control on this camera. Because I mean, it's a webcam. It's not anything. See, you see it shift right there, right? And, and I still look purple. I don't know. See, and and that's why that's why I really like the camera on on my newer Mac here because yeah. this is the best I have ever looked on camera, except for the fact I'm all digity. Well, you do have a little <laughs> yellow. You're, you're yeah, but it, and, and some of that yellow. is is some of that is is that it's I find just the lighting in this room makes it very golden. Yeah. Right. Right. And so if I just turn off the light, I'm a lot more, you know, because sure, then sure. you can see the camera is adjusting to give me more of like human tones. Yeah. Um, but now, Dave, it was not the it was not the cereal and the bacon that I had this morning. I'm, I'm not. Mm, bacon. I, I don't know. I don't know why I, I'm, I'm looking. Usually it's either the camera skews red mm-hmm. or it skews green. Kind of a green blue. I don't know right. what this is. I don't. This. I don't. I don't know what this purple is. It may be because of the shirt that I've got on. I don't know. But yeah, that's that's. But weird. it's white. It's a white shirt. You would think that the. Well, and if says, I do, you know, the the fun part is you know the discussions about camera technology. <laughs> um, you know, if I change the, so, so I've got another computer over here, which is actually another light source, right? Yeah, right. So so this is this is the color scheme when I've got. Premiere um, as my top layer because I'm editing. Right. Um, not right now. Um, and this is the where I let my internet browser window, which is White. my email, yeah. um, chain, you know, become a. So yeah, it's just like, uh, but. What I, You're welcome, well, folks. We've we've given you all kinds of completely extraneous information you did I, not come here for. What I need to do, I need to put, I need to put 
a different camera here. I need a, mm. I need a different something different. Something that's given something that gives me more control over the image. I mean, I've got How the old? little sliders and whatnot. This is not very old. This is what maybe three three oh, years okay. old, I think. I mean, it's a it's a Logitech. This is the nine twenty, yeah. so it's not very old. Yeah, I think I think that's the version that I ordered for my boss, um, who's my cousin. So she's family. Yeah. Because um, I went went out to get her the best camera I could get for the money we wanted to spend and. Um, but she also, you're also. Oh wow! See, I can. I'm manually. I'm manually adjusting it now. You were. You were there for a second. You were just. You were a nice color. Nice. Now you're back to. Yeah. Oh well. I see. I. It's, it's just all over the place. But now I click right. on it, and I'm still purple. She's also got. She's also got like a, a light wall behind her. <laughs> yeah. So. Maybe that helps. Maybe that helps the white balance because it's basically it's I think it's slightly off white, but it's pretty close to white. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us tonight. Part two next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Uh, And we'll probably do this again because Mr. Harvey's deep in the weeds on a bunch of work stuff. But so I've got I've got one week where we're not doing I'm the training coordinator for my company, which means I do all a lot of things. But it also means I do the recording and editing of our training programs Mm -hmm. that we give out to the world because we part of one of the things we sell. I've got four trainings a week, like every week this month, except for one week, there's going to be one week where I'm like, I don't have to do any editing. Um, Well, I say that, but I have one week where I don't have to do all of this editing. So I will be in the studio. That is it's just like, oh, I can, I think I can do that. So fingers crossed. <laughs> right. All right. So um, where am I, where am I going here? Uh, this is that, is that, where is it? 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 I don't have it in here. How do I, how did I manage to do that? Um, okay. Let me get one piece of a picture. So, uh, okay, so tomorrow, uh, tomorrow I am, uh, I have got on live from the bunker, I have um, Luke Stone as a guest. He is starting a new comics crowdfunding site. It's called Uh, Mm fundmycomic.com. And so we've got that tomorrow and Thursday. Nadia Afifi will be a guest. She's talking about her third book in her trilogy that she's written. And then Thursday night, we've got the Ranker Pit. And then Saturday, we've got Good Morning Multiverse Friday on on Live for the Bucker. It's open line Friday. Here's the lineup. This is all of the stuff. I've got to get some. I've got to get some new. That's not the. Yeah, there it is. I've got to get some Vault of the Killer Bees uh, replays uploaded uh, sometime this week. Get those done. But there's all of our shows. I got to update it again because now we got to add tw- Twitch back in there. It never ends. It never ends. There's all of our socials. And uh, uh, the video, cha- uh, video, video platforms, and the Discord server link is there. And I know it's, it's. I think somebody put it in the chat. I'm not sure, but there are all of the places where you can find us. And we will continue with potential not met part two next week. Thanks very we much could, for being here, folks. We could talk about the Snyderverse. 
This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio, copyright 2023, by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 